Welcome into the Nick Bob Podcast. Appreciate you guys uh, downloading and listening. Remember, hit that subscribe button. Just click it right there. Click subscribe. Yes, it helps me out. And it helps you out. You know, it helps you out to make sure you don't miss a single episode of the pod, man, because we got some great things rolling with this pod. Of course, we're trying to knock it out of the park with our Nebraska football coverage. And we're going to knock it out of the park with basketball coverage. And I know everybody's in Husker football mode, but it is here, guys. It's here. It's it's officially college basketball season. I couldn't be more fired up. I am going to be with FS1 uh, again this year, my sixth year. Uh, as a college basketball analyst with Fox. And I'm also getting an opportunity to do a few more BTN, Big Ten Network games. Uh, even made the press release, baby, which is always uh, fun to get your name uh, in, in the press release. So needless to say, uh, it's about to get busy for me, but I love it. I've told everybody, like, I could hit the Powerball $500 million jackpot and I would still want to be a college basketball analyst. Like, it's my dream job. So uh, college basketball is my favorite sport. And I'm excited to get the season rolling. And I'm excited to get the Fred Hoiberg era rolling because that's what we're previewing today. I'm going to give you my in-depth, 100%, no stone unturned thoughts on the Nebraska basketball program, the team, the season, you name it. I'm going to be breaking it down here on this pod. Before we get into the team and the roster and the season, I think it's important for you guys to know about the new rules in college basketball this year. There's nothing too earth-shattering, but there's a few things that I think are important for you to keep in in mind when you're watching so you know kind of what's going on or or what's happening. First of all, uh, the three-point line has been moved back about a foot, so it's to the international line. Uh, Not the NBA three-point line, but the international FIBA, uh, international basketball line. I I don't see this having a huge impact. I think the percentages will stay similar. I think the attempts will stay about the same. Uh, But with all that said, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine with moving the three-point line back. I think anything to maybe create more space on the floor – uh, is a good thing to create real estate for guys to you know punch gaps and get into the lane or post up is good uh, because if you're guarding a shooter you know just that one f- foot out further maybe you maybe have to take one more step out to stay attached to him creates a driving lane for for somebody to get into uh, in into the paint I think that's good uh, but I don't see this having a huge impact the only thing that could be interesting I was on a, a conference call for Fox and we had an official on there and he was talking about the new rules is with the three-point line being moved back, there's less room in the corners now. That There were, uh, in, in the NIT, which is their exper- experimental grounds for these different things, which obviously Husker fans saw, uh, played Butler, uh, played TCU, so you saw the three-point line be moved back. But in the NIT semifinals, there were seven out-of-bound violations in the corners. So a little court geography, figuring out where you're at, how much space you got could be a thing. So three-point line move back. The other new rule, shot clock resetting to 20 seconds after an offensive rebound instead of the full 30. And I like this. Anything to speed up the game, increase aggressiveness, I'm all for. Uh, I think anything to make it so people got to – you know, keep the foot on the gas and not chew too much clock. I think there's far too much of that in college basketball. I love the variety of styles, but I also think college basketball is a sport that's meant to be played fast, aggressive, and trying to score. Uh, and so I think anything that does that, I'm all for. 
the other new rule, last two minutes of the second half in overtime, coaches, coaches now can call live ball timeouts. Previously, it had to come from a player at all times, meaning the player has to be the one to call a timeout. Now, all other parts of the game, the first 38 minutes of the game, uh, a player has to be the one to call a timeout. Um, but I, I like in these crunch time, big big spots, two minutes in, in to go in the game or in overtime, a player gets in a jam, a coach doesn't like how a play is unfolding or he can't relay the timeout to the player, he can call it. Coach Hoiberg can call it from, from the sideline. It doesn't have to be called by Thor or, or someone like that. Uh, and think about it. It's kind of silly when a ref can hear the coach calling timeout. Literally, a, coach can, a ref can be standing by a coach. Coach is calling timeout, but he can't give that coach timeout until a player calls it. It's just it's it's kind of silly. Uh, so I, I think that's good uh, in the final two minutes of uh, the second half and in overtime. And this next one could be sneaky big. There is a directive from the officials to eliminate flopping from the game, which I think is good. I mean, you watch the NBA, you watch college basketball, it's far too much flopping and doing all that stuff. So I, I think it's it's one of those things that, it's, it's probably hard to try to completely eliminate, but I like the spirit of them trying to do it. Flopping has gotten ridiculous. And so one of the, the ways they're going to do that this year is if a ref thinks a player flopped, looking at the monitor or just in real time, that they can issue that player a warning. And so, you know, a guy takes a charge, he snaps his, uh, you know, they think he flopped or you've seen now, you see how guys, when they're driving, they snap their head back to make it look like they got hit. You can get a warning now. And after that, any other warning is issued a technical foul. So think about it. Let's say Cam Mack gets hit with a warning for snapping his head back early in the game. And then in the second half, Hanif Cheatham gets called for he ref thinks he flopped and and Hanif Cheatham gets called for a warning. That's a technical foul now. So it doesn't have to be on the, the same player twice. You know, it can be once one person gets it, the whole team has been issued a warning. So that's something to watch for. Uh could be interesting. Again, I like it. There's far too much flopping. Uh, but those are a couple of things to keep an eye on in terms of rules changes. Uh, things are basically the same other than that. Okay, enough about rules. Let's let's get into uh, into this team. You got a new era of Nebraska basketball that's uh, that's about to happen. Fred Hoiberg is the coach. Am I the only one that has to say that out loud like once a day to remind myself? Like it's it's remarkable. Tim Miles was let go. Felt like that guy was on the hot seat for pretty much three or four years straight, which makes it tough. And, you know, for Coach Miles, things just kind of fell apart for him in big spots. And we don't need to go backwards. This isn't a rearview mirror podcast. We're looking at the windshield. But we we, we got to look forward to this year. And with, with Coach Hoiberg, it's funny. He, he was a candidate that when people threw out his name when they were talking about a potential vacancy, I literally would laugh. People be like, hey, what do you think of Fred Hoiberg? I'm like, yeah, right, okay, that, but yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that Hoiberg's coming here. Yeah, why don't you call Mike Shashevsky and Greg Popovich too? But here, here we are. Fred Hoiberg is in Lincoln, and he's the head basketball coach, and he's got the family ties with his grandfather, who coached here. I think that loomed large. Plus, a lot of his family still is in Nebraska. I didn't realize all a, a, a lot of his extended family still lived here, so. The mayor, the man was the the, the man that was uh, just an incredible player at, at Iowa State and coach at Iowa State, uh, is now in Lincoln. And it's crazy. The guy that was just the head coach of the Chicago Bulls is now 
the head coach of Nebraska. And it, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to believe all that, seeing how Nebraska is one of the least accomplished Power 5 basketball programs in the country. Everybody knows it never won a tournament game and all that stuff. But I think it's pretty clear, and Coach Hoiberg has said as much, the support and infrastructure is there for this program. Facilities are great. The fan support's really good. Pinnacle Bank Arena is rocking. The atmosphere is fantastic. So there are ingredients there for this thing to be potentially a, a, a pretty pretty special program. And the thing that I like is Fred Hoiberg got it done in this part of the country geographically. Did it in Ames, Iowa when he took over Iowa State and, and got them to the NCAA tournament with regularity, winning games. Ames, and Lincoln, very similar. So I like that. It's not like you're in, you know, you were in New York or in Florida, and now you got to recruit to the middle part of the country. I like that he has been in Ames. He he understands this part of the country. I think he'll be able to recruit to that. And the other thing that I love about Fred Hoiberg is the guy's got a clear cut identity. He knows exactly what he wants his teams to look like, and that makes a difference in college basketball. Helps you recruit. It helps you develop. And what you're going to see is he's a guy, he's a pace in space, take a bunch of threes, loves versatility with his players kind of a guy. He likes big guys that can handle it and make plays. Uh, you remember uh, Niang from Iowa State was a guy that flourished under uh, under Coach Hoiberg. Uh, Royce White was a guy that flourished under uh, Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State. Big guys that can handle it, go coast to coast. They can even initiate offense and get into the teeth of the defense and make things happen. He likes guards that are skilled and can play fast and can shoot. Uh, so he's a guy that knows what he wants and knows who he is. You're going to see a lot of NBA-style play. I mean, going to be a lot of four-out, one-in, a lot of ball screen sets at different angles, different lane line, coming to the to the sideline, coming to the middle of the floor, pick, re-pick. Uh, just a lot of creative stuff offensively, and that's just it. He's one of the most gifted offensive minds in basketball. I mean, when you start listing the best offensive guys in all of basketball, not just college, but the NBA, I mean, you talk about Brad Stevens and Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, uh, but you got to throw Hoiberg's name in there. You have to throw Hoiberg's name in there. His teams at Iowa State were consistently at the top of the offensive charts. When he had it rolling. Uh, plus, the other thing that's good with Coach Hoiberg is he instantly gives Nebraska some cachet and some credibility. They've never had a rock star like this as their head basketball coach. And when you can provide an attractive brand of basketball to recruits and dangle that NBA carrot out there, I think you'll be able to get some pretty talented dudes that, that come to Lincoln. And ultimately... Talent matters, man. It does. So he's got a chance to make history here at Nebraska winning the very first NCAA tournament game at some point when he's here. Will it happen this year? I doubt it, but, I mean, shoot, we've seen crazier things. And let's kind of get into what Fred Hoiberg has done since his arrival here. When he took the job, uh, obviously you've got to get a coaching staff in place, and then he basically completely flipped the roster. So he hired Bobby Lutz, who's got head head coaching experience, which I always like to have on your staff. He hired Matt Abdelmassi, who's regarded as one of the top recruiters in college basketball. He was with Coach Hoiberg at Iowa State. He was most recently at St. John's. And let me tell you, St. John's maybe had some issues, but the one thing they never had issues with was they had talent. That team had dudes. Matt Abdelmassi knows how to recruit and knows how to get talent. That's huge. And then Doc Sadler, 
obviously was the head coach at Nebraska, got fired a few years ago, and was recently the head coach at Southern Miss, but got the call from Fred Hoiberg, and boom, he's here. He was with Fred at uh, Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State, uh, so you, you got that trust and continuity there. And and Doc Sadler is you know a couple of things. First of all, great guy, uh, just one of those dudes that's good to have in in the basketball offices, in the locker room, on the bus, on the planes. Just like a great dude, everyone loves loves Doc Sadler. But what he provides is we talked about how Coach Hoiberg's kind of an elite offensive mind. Well, Doc Sadler's an elite defensive mind. So you almost will have like a defensive coordinator in in Doc Sadler. He he's going to really help Coach Hoiberg in that regard. That's what his role was at Iowa State. Um, the other thing that I think he'll help Coach Hoiberg with is, listen, he's been the head coach here, right? He understands the state. He understands the fan base. He understands the program. That'll really help Coach Hoiberg. And then the other uh, the other uh, staff member is Armand Gates was uh, retained as a holdover from Tim Miles' staff and. Uh, those guys had to hit the recruiting trail and do their thing. It is crazy what they did in about three months when they took the job last spring. Get this. In a three-month span, Nebraska landed 14 new players. 14. You talk about flipping the roster. Like, there's flipping the roster, and then there's that. I mean, that's just that's a brand new team. So when you talk about discussing the team and previewing the season, I think it's it's so challenging because everyone's new. I mean, there's going to be a who the hell are these guys kind of a thing that's going to be permeating throughout PBA when you're when you're watching this team or turning on BTN to watch this this crew play. I mean, it's like who who's that? What are they? I mean, this is like you better have your program in your hand to figure out who these dudes are. Now they did have a preseason trip to Italy in August, which I think was huge. They they were able to practice ten times before going, so they got on the practice floor, which is huge for Coach Hoiberg installing just some stuff of how they want to operate day to day. And then they were able to play and mesh and and gel and and try to find that chemistry by going overseas and playing in Italy. Uh, there was a really cool BTN documentary on the trip which I think was uh, was fun to watch to get a sense of what that was like. Coach Hoiberg brought up a good point. I mean, a lot of those guys' cell phones didn't work over there, so when they went to team meals and did different things, you know what they had to do? They had to put the phone down. They got to put the phone down, and they got to interact and start building that relationship with each other, and it's great. But when you look at this team, I, I want to go through the roster. I mean, because, again, there's going to be a, who's that? What, who's that guy? What's going on? So let's do it, man. Let's, let's dive into – the roster, and I'll give you kind of my thoughts on each guy. Uh, you got one returning player from last year that played, and that's Thorir Thorburn-Yarsen. And Thor's a guy that plays hard. You guys know Thor. He plays hard. He plays with a motor. He He's pretty smart. He, he knows who he is as a player. He's not a very good three-point shooter. So, for instance, like what does he do on penetration? He doesn't spot up because he's not Steph Curry. He back cuts instead. In the in the exhibition game, he got two or three layups just because he understood, hey, I'm not a good three-point shooter, so I'm going to back cut on, on penetration and get layups. That's understanding who you are as a player. Not an overly skilled guy, not a great three-point shooter, which kind of caps his overall game, but I think he's going to be an important, steady influence on this team because he kind of does all the dirty stuff, uh, and again, he plays hard, and he has whatever a little bit of experience. Uh, so there's, there's Thor. Then there is Deshaun Burke 
who is, was actually a Tim Miles recruit. He sat out last year as a transfer. He transferred from Robert Morris. And so he was one of the few, him and Thor again were like the two holdovers from the, the previous, uh, the previous team. He averaged 17 points and five rebounds a game. He was second team all Northeast Conference at Robert Morris. He's a 6'4", long, active guard who just knows how to score. He led Nebraska in scoring on their Italy trip in August. And on that BTN documentary for the Italy trip, I thought I thought Deshaun Burke came across well. He appears to be a, a good kid with a lot of personality, which is good for that unit. Getting guys to to get together and talk and hang out and start to to build a relationship. Sometimes you need that guy that's you know outgoing and talkative. And the one thing that was clear is Burke had a toast for like almost every single meal that they had. And I think that stuff's good. I, I really do. I think he's going to be one of the top guards for this group. Um, he's not a great three-point shooter when you look at his numbers from Robert Morris. Shot about 33%, but he made 44 threes as a sophomore, so that's not bad. Um, but he, he's, you know, the guy's just, he's good at getting the, getting to, to the rim. Going to be a solid guard for Nebraska. Now, to be fair, you, you never know how a guy's going to do when they move up a level. I mean, the Big Ten is a different beast compared to the Northeast Conference, so there's always that element of the unknown whenever you're dealing with a guy. But I like his personality, and he knows how to score. Uh, so those are the two kind of returners. You have a couple of grad transfers. The first one is Hanif Cheatham. I was able to cover some of Hanif Cheatham's game when he was at Marquette. He's had an interesting journey. He went from Marquette to Florida Gulf Coast, now to Nebraska. He started 63 games at Marquette, then played 10 games at Florida Gulf Coast before he got hurt, and now he's at Nebraska. Fred Hoiberg has praised his versatility, and that's what he looks for in players. He likes guys that can play multiple positions and guard multiple positions. Uh, he's not an uber-talented guy, but he's a solid, smooth, veteran dude that this team needs. He's he's played. He's battle-tested. Um, I think he's going to be kind of a glue guy, uh, veteran, mature dude in that locker room. When you got a bunch of newbies, you need someone that's kind of been through it, and I think Hanif Cheatham's going to be able to provide that. Um, in all reality, he's probably the most experienced guy on the team, and I think they're going to lean on him early and when they go on the road. He's a guy that I think is more of a wing, but he can play the four. He actually started at the four in their exhibition game. So again, goes back to that V word, versatility. That's going to be something that you're going to hear Coach Hoiberg talk about a lot, and Hanif Cheatham is certainly that. Uh, then you got another grad transfer, Matei Kavas. I think I got that right. Matei Kavas, the Seattle transfer. Uh, he's, a, he's a shooter. He's a sniper. Career 44% three-point shooter. He's made 177 threes in his career. He was second-team all-conference in uh, the WAC. He was the WAC freshman of the year. Uh, and then he got he got hurt last year. He broke his shin last year. Um, so it was a, an interesting year for here. But again, this guy's a three-point specialist. 54% of his field goal attempts are threes. He's a guy that is going to space the floor. He's going to be a pick-and-pop guy. And that's going to be important for this offense to give guys opportunities to get in the lane, kick it out, knock down shots. Fred Hoiberg, like I said, it's going to be a ton of ball screens, guys. And as important as it is to have a guy that's capable coming off the screen, the guy that sets the screen needs to be a threat, whether rolling to the basket or picking and popping. Kavas is a threat that you got to honor to knock down shots. Uh, I mean, you, you need guys that can space the floor. 
I always say, you know, they say that, you know, shooters are like bacon. They make everything better, right? That's the only thing. It's like you can add bacon to anything and it makes it better. Shooters, you add it to any team, any lineup, makes it better. I think Kavas appears to be that guy. I don't know what else. He 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 doesn't appear to be a guy that has a lot of wiggle and, and versatility to his game in terms of being able to put the ball on the deck, uh, which will be interesting. But again, they need shot makers. College basketball is is very reliant on knocking down threes. I think that was one of the biggest issues that Tim Miles had over his tenure. Just didn't have enough three-point shooting. Kavas can be that guy. So those are the grad transfers. Now you got some D1 transfers. Uh, the first guy, uh, Shamil Stevenson. Now he's a dude that's had an interesting journey. He started 13 games at Pitt as a freshman and averaged eight points per game. But then there was a coaching change from Kevin Stallings to Jeff Capel, and the coaching change didn't appear to be good for him. So he left Pitt in December and transferred to Nevada. But Eric Musselman left Nevada to take an SEC job. So all of a sudden, Shamil Stevenson was left kind of going, well, I don't Now All of a sudden, I got a, a different coach coming in that I didn't commit to. So he hit the transfer market, and he's ended up at Nebraska. Kind of a tough journey. But this kid is a beast physically, man. I mean, he's the type of dude, if you looked at him, you'd be like, okay, are you going to Coach Frost or Coach Hoiberg? <laughs> because he is 6'6", 245. 245. This dude is a is a big, tough, strong kid. And with that size and weight, he looks like a versatile wing that can punish smaller guards and also bang with big dudes. And here's the thing. You average eight points a game as a freshman in the ACC, you clearly got game. He's a capable three-point shooter, but not great. He doesn't take a ton of them. That's not his game. I think he's going to be an attack-the-paint kind of guy. Now, all this might not matter because you might have to sit out the entire year. Now, Nebraska has applied for a waiver to get him eligible at semester. They haven't got a ruling on it yet, uh, so we'll see. There's been kind of some weird guys getting waivers and getting granted to play immediately and then guys that get denied that kind of don't make a ton of sense, so you really never know. Um, it would be massive for Coach Hoiberg in Nebraska if Shamil Stevenson was deemed eligible at semester because he would really, really help. A couple other D1 transfers that have to sit out this year, so you don't have to worry about them until uh, a year from now. But Derek Walker out of Tennessee, big-bodied, big, strong kid. Uh, he, he transferred. He's going to have to sit out. Obviously, he was a part of a very successful team. Tennessee was really good. Rick Barnes had a great team. Uh there in, in Knoxville, he'll have to sit out. And then Delano Banton, a big, versatile guard, long, skinny kid, has to sit out. I think Banton's going to be a stud at Nebraska. He's got to put on a little bit of weight. But that size and that versatility, I mean, he's like a point guard in a 6'7", 6'8", body. So it's going to be really exciting to see what what he can do. So those are kind of your two uh, other D1 transfers. Now you got a couple of junior college kids. First guy we got to talk about is Cam Mack. This is the guy. For, for Nebraska to be good, not just this year, but in the next few years, Cam Mack is the most important player, period. He's the point guard. He's going to be the engine. And in this system that Coach Hoiberg wants to play fast, you got to have a point guard that can can – play at a breakneck speed, and still make good decisions. This guy is electric and explosive. Now, he's a little erratic and a little wild right now because he's still young, but he's got an athletic burst that not everyone has. 
He's got some John Wall in him. Now, don't roll your eyes. I mean, he's not as good as John Wall, but their games are similar to me. I mean, there aren't going to be too many guys that are faster with the rock than than Cam Mack. And when they get in the half court, Mack is going to be making a lot of the decisions. He's going to be the guy coming off ball screens, trying to get into the teeth of the defense and, and distribute. Um, he's a junior college kid, like I said. He was 19 points a game. Uh, he was a St. John's commit until there was the coaching change. Chris Mullen uh, stepped down, so he opened up his, his recruiting. Matt Abdomassi was that connection because he was at St. John's. Now he's at Nebraska. I mean, he's the kind of guy that is an exciting player. I mean, he's the type of dude that a triple-double could happen with him, and there could be a few jaw-dropping plays a night with Cam Mack. The only concern, like I said, is his decision-making. Can he play fast and still make good decisions? And again, he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. He's going to have a lot on his plate. What does that assist-to-turnover ratio look like? And then the other thing is, how good of a three-point shooter is he? I don't, I don't love his mechanics, you watch it, his, his right elbow flares out a little bit and the ball gets into his palm instead of on his fingertips. And so I, I, I don't love his mechanics. I, I don't know how good of a three-point shooter he's going to be. And what people could do is play off of him and go under ball screens. And now a lot of what they want to do offensively gets tougher because you're not having to hedge and get out of position. Certainly something to keep an eye on. I think if he keeps his assist-to-turnover ratio solid and is the type of three-point shooter that you at least got to honor and respect, this cat is going to be a big-time player because he's got elite explosiveness. I cannot wait to watch him play. And when you talk about important guys in this Hoiberg era, it starts with that guy, Cam Mack. Another Juco kid, Gervais Green, uh, Western Nebraska Junior College, 23 points per game, and his shooting numbers were efficient. He's long, he's active, and he can score. And another kid, he appears to be a great kid. Tons of personality, just like Deshaun Burke in that Italy BTN documentary for Nebraska's trip. He came across great. Uh, very outgoing, always smiling. Um, I think that stuff, I, I've been in the locker room, man, that stuff matters. Coach Self used to always call it, are you, you know, when you walk, are you an energy giver or are you an energy taker? Like when you walk into the locker room, does the energy rise up or does it just get, does everybody just get, ugh, oh God, here's Mr. Debbie Downer. Gervais Green seems like the type of guy that when he walks in, it doesn't matter if it's a 6 a.m. weight room session, that guy is smiling and has energy. That stuff over the course of a season matters. So I like that. And then not to mention the guy's really talented. I mean, he's a guy that is the type of dude, you just give him the rock and he can go get it. He can break a guy down, get in the teeth of the defense and make some things happen. And you know, the, the reality is Juco kids, I should have said this about Cam Mack too, I mean, it can take him a bit. Like, I mean, junior college basketball to Big Ten basketball, I mean, come on, I don't got to explain to you. I mean, it's night and day. Night and day. So it might take those guys a little bit, but I love Gervais Green's attitude. He has a positivity to him that I, I think will serve him well, even if things don't go well early. And he can score. He can. I think he's one of those dudes, something to watch. He gambles too much on defense for me. You got to tighten that up. Like, maybe in high school or junior college, you can go pick up a, a point guard at half court and take the ball from him. But, I mean, in the Big Ten, you're not going to take the ball from Cassius Winston. You know what I mean? Like, don't go reach 58 feet from the basket and put your teammates in a bad spot. Like, he, I think he's got to settle in there defensively and not gamble as much. But I like him, man. Excited to watch him play. So those are the Juco guys. Now you got the high school kids. 
First kid, Samari Curtis, 33 points per game in high school. He was Mr. Basketball in the state of Ohio, and he had multiple 50-point games in high school. He was committed to Cincinnati. Mick Cronin left to take the UCLA job, which then he opened up his recruitment. Boom, he ends up at Nebraska. Again, guy, 6'4", pretty good size, um, and he's got a scorer's mindset, can really shoot it. Now, I know I'm kind of getting mechanics heavy here in this, but his his release point of his shot is really low to me. Like it's He releases it kind of come from like his face or his chin, um, which can make it tough to get shots off under duress, but my guess is he's going to be taking a lot of inside-out open threes. So we'll see how quickly he can pick up the defensive end of the floor, which is always tough for high school kids. But you know, he played well in their exhibition game, and I think he's got good potential in his high school career, pretty much second to none. Then there's Akola Rope, the in-state kid out of Creighton Prep, uh, Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Nebraska, athlete, like big-time athlete, plays above the rim, uh, can really run, not an overly skilled kid, but when you got ty- that type of athleticism, you 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 give yourself a chance to get on the floor and make make an impact. Not sure how much he'll play this year, but you guys, who the hell knows? I mean, with all these guys, all these newcomers, you got a brand new team. You have no idea who's necessarily going to settle in, make plays, uh, emerge, uh, appear to be comfortable. I, I, I don't know. I, a rope is a guy that I don't necessarily expect to be a, a huge part of their rotation, but certainly injuries and with the newness of the team, you never know. Uh, next guy, Kevin Cross, 6'8", 240. He led his high school uh, to an Arkansas 4A state title, and he was a late bloomer, and I think he attracted a lot of attention because of how good of a high school senior year he had. And back to that V word, versatility. He is a front-court, front-line playmaker. He looks a lot like Hoiberg's Iowa State big guys that were, were tough to deal with. Nyang, Royce White. I'm not saying he's good as, as good as those guys, but he's kind of built like them. Again, 6'8", 240. He can handle it. He can shoot it. He, you, you can have him come off ball screens and have him make plays. He's versatile. Um, I liked him a lot in their exhibition game. Uh, but again, big jump up in competition from high school to the Big Ten. But I, I think he looks like the kind of big guy that, from a versatility standpoint, that Coach Hoiberg likes. Next uh, next big guy that's going to be another cornerstone anchor for this program as Coach Hoiberg's building it up. Ivan Vedrago, big Frenchie. Super important because he's the only guy with size on this team. Not a very big team. And he's he's a big cat. 6'9", 260, and he's got a great frame and a great body for a young guy. He was uh, got a lot of international experience. He was on the, the French FIBA under-18 team. Um, and, again, he's the, the only guy in this team that's got some size and some, and some, uh, some height to him. And the Big Ten is kind of a man's league in the paint. We talk about Caleb Wesson and, and different dudes. you got to be able to hang on the interior, so he's got to be up to the fight. I love his potential. Uh, again, he can move. His frame's really good. He's going to be important not only this year but in years to come uh, for what Coach Hoiberg wants to do. I'm really excited to watch Ivan Wedraugo play. I think I'm getting those names right. I hope so. I'm, I got them on BTN a couple times, so I better get it right. Last cat to talk about, Charlie Easley. Don't sleep on this dude, man. Don't sleep on this. Walk on out of Lincoln Pius. Uh... He led them in scoring in one game in their Italy trip. 
Um, he looked good in their exhibition game. He's smart. He's tough, and he can shoot. And when you're when when a coach is looking down at the bench and goes, "What kid do I know can knock down an open shot and is going to be tough and smart?" That's a big that's a big deal. And so again, on a roster full of unknown, who knows? All I know is if you're smart and you're solid and you can shoot, there could be minutes for you. So keep an eye on on Charlie Easley. I he wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him get some run. So there you go. Trying to figure out who the heck these guys are. That's the roster. And, you know, I'm walking around talking to different people. Everybody's like, hey, what are you thinking of Nebraska this year? I'm like, I have no idea. It's so hard to project because I mean, it's a brand new team. They were picked to finish 13th in the Big Ten. It's hard to argue for or against that. With so much new and so little experience, both at high-level Division One basketball and with each other, it's going to be a process. Like, you better pack your patience this year a little bit. I think I think they struck me as a team. They could have nights, in particular at home, where they look pretty good. Where you go, oh, man, this team, whoa. But I also think the opposite could be true. I think there could be some nights where they get punched in the mouth a little bit and they get a little shook and they don't have anyone really that have has a ton of experience and things might not look good. And here's the thing. Basketball, more so than any other sport, is a chemistry sport. And chemistry takes time. And, again, like I said, 14 new players. You got all new guys playing together. And so Hoiberg's got a lot of different things to to deal with. He's going to have to install his system. He's got to instill his standards. And then he's going to have to figure out what rotations work, don't work, and who can do what? And when you're trying to, to figure all that out in the Big Ten Conference, that's not ideal, right? So I don't even know what to say in terms of an ex- expectation level I have for this team. I don't know. I, I do know I think they're going to be fun to watch. I think they'll play hard. And I think they're going to be a better team in February and March than they will be in November and December. I believe in Fred Hoiberg. I think he, he will ultimately win an NCAA tournament game at Nebraska. And it's going to be, man, they're going to be a fun team to watch stylistically. They, they really are. And so there's a lot of buzz and excitement around Hoiberg here at Nebraska. It's fun. It, it, it really is. As far as the schedule goes, the non-con schedule is, especially at home, is pretty soft. And guys, do you, I know when you get your season tickets or you're talking about games you want to watch, like... Do you blame him? I mean, if you're Fred Hoiberg, you want to go. You want to go schedule a bunch of tough teams when you got a brand new team and you're in year one. I mean, you don't want to go murder yourself. So a, a part of establishing things is gaining confidence from winning, and so the the non-con's not too terribly challenging. Outside of you got a road game at Creighton, certainly always tough. You got you're playing at Georgia Tech in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and the bottom line is you know Georgia Tech is a Power Five ACC team, but the Yellow Jackets were picked to finish 12th in the ACC, so they're not great. They do go to the Cayman Islands where they're going to play Washington State in their first-round game. Washington State's picked to finish 11th in the Pac-12. They aren't great. And they all, then they'll play George Mason or Old Dominion. George Mason isn't great. Old Dominion won Conference USA last year, but they lost their two star guards. Uh, so I don't know how good they'll be. Also in the field, New Mexico State, Colorado State, South Florida, and Loyola Chicago. So it's not a star-studded field in the Cayman Islands. 
So the the non-con schedule, outside of a few road games and the Cayman Islands, not great. And again, I totally get it. I I get you want to try to figure out what you got. You want to establish confidence, have some games where you feel like you're you're penciling in a dub, you're scheduling a win. Uh, So I totally get why you wouldn't want to go out there and, and have a brutally tough schedule. So there you go. That, that's about how I see it right now. Again, I cannot wait to watch this team play and watch the Fred Hoiberg era begin. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have too high of expectations because it's just hard to get a sense of what this team will be like. I just want to see a team establish a style of play, a standard of how they play, and then some of those young core guys take strides. Ivan Vedrago, uh, Cam Mack, different dudes like that come in and, and establish themselves. It's good. It should be fun. I cannot wait to watch this team play. Appreciate you guys tuning in and listening here, man. Now, you can continue to catch each episode of the pod by subscribing to the Nick Bob Podcast. Just click subscribe, man. I'll have tons of Nebraska basketball coverage throughout the season. You want to know what's going on with Husker Hoops? I'm your guy, all right? So make sure you subscribe to the pod, and you'll be up to speed with all things college basketball, Big Ten Hoops, and in particular, Nebraska basketball. All right. Until next time, you guys have a good one, and I appreciate you listening. A Parkville Media Production.